Welcome to the Message Podcast from Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe for updates and new episodes. You can find us on most major podcast outlets. Visit cotnaz.org for more info. Our worship services stream weekly on Sundays at 9 a.m. on YouTube and Facebook Live. You can also find our live stream at cotnaz.org. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have a campus near Harrisonburg at 1871 Boyers Road. We also have a campus in East Rockingham at 414 South East Side Highway in Elkton. In addition, our Spanish-speaking campus meets on Sundays at 11.45 a.m. at that same 1871 Boyers Road location. Check out our website, cotnas.org, for more info. You know that a lot of times I'll begin messages in in a moment of confession, and today's one of those days, okay? I I need to just confess a little bit. Uh, Is anybody besides me still getting those spam phone calls? You know, they're calling about your car warranty, they're calling about that hotel you stayed at a year ago and you want a vacation. If you'll just give them your social security number, bank routing number, mother's maiden name, it's free. You know, you get those calls, like, uh, have you uh, gotten so cynical about it yet? Like, maybe I have, and there's my confession. I've gotten a little cynical about answering the phone with numbers I don't recognize. Uh, Ashley and I were home uh, here this past week, and I, my phone rang, and it was from Greenville, South Carolina. Well, I ain't got no kinfolk down there, so I'm going, sweet, and it's a new car. And so I'm saying literally, oh, I hope this is a new car as I pick up the phone, and this guy on the other end goes, uh, hello, my name is so-and-so. I'm calling about your space there in Elkton. I went, oh, man, I'm sorry. <laughs> and I just had to confess to him that I was anticipating a new car or a free vacation, and thankfully he was understanding that. But, like, have you gotten to that level with those phone calls yet? Like, you just answer expectantly that it's a fraud. Uh, I saw this online just the other day. Uh, Like, this is coming to our world in so many different directions, but local scammers or or scammers from somewhere have figured out how to hijack local numbers, and so they're calling you from a number that looks like your bank, and they're trying to trick you into giving up your account information or giving them more information so that they can take money from you so they can hack your information. Like, this is happening every day. Has it happened to anybody you know? Has it hit close to home for anybody? Maybe if you were honest today, how do you really feel about scammers? Like if we were just going to, if you were going to have confession today, how do you really feel about those calls and the scams uh, like F&M Bank was warning us about here? Uh, You know, it's, it's easy for us to say and to think things like, boy, I hope they get what's coming to them. Right? You ever said that? I don't know who would do such a thing. Like, how can they sell themselves out just to make a buck? I don't know who would do that. I don't know anybody that would do that. I know I wouldn't. I know you wouldn't. Who would do such a thing? We don't know people like that. Well, we actually do know somebody. We actually do know somebody that was a career scammer. Today, as we continue uh, in our summer teaching series, we're going to see Jesus going over the walls, going outside the norm to encounter a career scammer of his day, a person that was pretty unanimously looked down upon, had sold himself out. But rather than giving him a piece of his mind or telling him off, no, Jesus flips the script on everyone in the story, and us included, when he extends this scammer an invitation to new life 
and to discipleship. Today, I, I welcome you back to our summer teaching series called Over the Walls, where we're going to unpack this story of Matthew where he flips the script and instead of telling him off, he extends an invitation to become a part of the family. In Jesus' narrative in this story, the scammer didn't get what he deserved by a long shot. He got to be a part of the family of God. Uh, by now, as we have unpacked this idea of over the walls, you're starting to understand that the events that we're having, these major events, Vacation Bible School and Best Week Ever, are intentional. They're not just we were bored and wanted something to do. No, they're, they're intentional movements of the church to go beyond our walls, to go beyond maybe even our comfort zones, to reach lost and seeking souls in our community and beyond. Vacation Bible School and Best Week Ever are intentional to make us go, to fulfill the call and the commission of Christ Jesus because we don't want what God is up to to be confined to these walls. No, we want to see it go throughout our communities and beyond. We want to fulfill his call. We want to see that personally in our lives to see the call to go. And as we open our teaching text today in Matthew chapter 9, we're going to see Jesus going up and over the walls of normal, up and over the walls of comfortable to reach an outcast tax collector, a guy who had literally become rich by scamming other people, by scamming the poor. He was lining his own pockets and living the life, if you will. And oh, by the way, he was also helping the Roman government oppress God's people. That's who Jesus is going after today in our story. And this man named Matthew was hated. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 9, and we're going to begin in verse 9, and we'll read through the balance of 13. Matthew chapter 9, verse 9 says this, says, As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he said to him. And Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many of the tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Verse 12, on hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. As we begin to unpack our teaching text today, uh, we are going to discover that the heart of the Lord, the heart of Jesus himself, is for the lost, it's for the outsider, it's for the person who may be on the other side of a wall that we have erected. God's heart is for the outsider. The question that we must face today and the question that we're going to unpack in our text is Jesus extending us an invitation to follow him, to follow him over the walls that we've built, to follow him outside of the norm, to outside of our even comfort zones. Will we follow Jesus to reach the lost, the outsider, the outcast? Jesus' question could well be to us today, will you follow me? over the walls. Let's pray together. Lord, you are here. And so God, we, we want you to search our hearts. 
Lord, know us, know the intimacies, the, the thoughts that we've never spoken aloud. Lord, you know all of those things. And Lord, we're inviting you to search us. Yes, Lord, we're inviting you to convict us. Convict us of places where our hearts don't line up with you. Where maybe we have towed lines in the sand or built walls and somehow we are not being as gracious, as loving and caring as you would have us to be. So God, will you search our hearts today as we unpack this story of your marvelous grace. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Uh, if you were to begin in Matthew's gospel and, and, and come up to Matthew chapter 9 where we find our teaching text today, you're going to find that Jesus' influence, his ministry, his activity is really ramping up. Uh, uh, up at this point in, in Matthew's gospel and his narrative, three separate times Matthew has made specific note that many people in great crowds are following Jesus. Now, now these crowds and many people are starting to pick up on the fact that there's something different about Jesus. They're picking up on this fact that Jesus is not requiring people to have it all together before he welcomes them. He is willing to meet people where they are and invite them to a new life and to extend to forgiveness to people right where he finds them. And so many people are coming to follow him as he is becoming known as a friend of sinners, a wall climber, if you will. As we begin our teaching text in verse 9, Jesus has just left a house in Capernaum where he healed a paralyzed man of his infirmities and he forgave his sins. And so as he departs from there, Jesus moves to extend an invitation that no doubt sent shockwaves through his disciples, through his followers. Let's pick up our study in verse 9 today. It says, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. Now, if you were here last week, Pastor Joe unpacked for us a little bit that it is really hard for us to understand this hatred and this disdain for tax collectors that we read about in the New Testament. Uh, uh, perhaps the closest parallel that I can come up with for us today is these scammers who try to call and try to manipulate us for money or for information and those things, how we might feel about that uh, happening to us. Uh, here just a couple weeks ago, uh, they got me. Uh, this is more confessional, all right? They got me with an email. You see, it, it showed up in my inbox looking like the every other email I get to let me know I have a voicemail on our church phone system. That, that's how our system works. I get an email if you leave a voice message. So I'm looking at this thing. I'm on my phone, so the format looks a little wonky, but I don't think a lot about it. It looks so close, right? Well, what I did next is what every IT person in the world says not to do. I clicked on the link. And in that moment, I went, oh. Because I instantly knew that I had made a mistake. And you know what? That was just a silly email. And the best I can tell, I mean, my information might be floating around China right now. But the best I can tell, the consequences of that action have not been so severe. But in that moment, can I just be honest and say, like, I felt like a failure? Like, I felt, why are you attacking me? What did I do to you that you sent in trying to manipulate me, trying to coerce me into giving into your scheme or your scam? Like, I felt betrayed and alone and like a failure over a silly email. Now, imagine how you might feel if those same scammers maybe conned your parents or your grandparents out of thousands of dollars of their hard-earned money that they need to live on. How would you feel? 
How violated and broken and personally attacked would you feel in those moments? You know, I think as we unpack those things, that that gives us a glimpse into the idea of what the people felt like every time they had to approach the tax booth. Every time they had to face uh, these people, it just reignited that disdain and that disgust. Because tax collectors, they were viewed as traitors of their people, traitors of God's people, because they were really working for the Roman government, and they were uh, charged by the government to collect taxes from the people, but yet they were also free to line their pockets with a little extra. Now, you got to remember, like, no phones, no internet, no, no news, so whatever the tax man said your tax rate was, that's what you paid. So you had no idea necessarily that you were getting ripped off, but yet you may have had a hunch because the tax man's living large, right? And so this thing was a a daily occurrence. It's not like they got ripped off once and got to go on and forget about it. No, it was a day in and day out occurrence. They had to go pay the man, if you will, at the tax collector booth. That's the disdain. That's the hatred, the, the distrust that they were dealing with. And that was Matthew. That was Matthew. He was a tax collector. He was one of those people on the outside, one of those scammers ripping off God's people. His life choices had had likely alienated him from his family because he was working for the government. Uh, His childhood friends had simply become someone that he could get rich off of. He wasn't welcome at the local church or the local synagogue because of his profession. Even if he wanted to go, his interactions with the Gentiles, they wouldn't let him in the door. And so this man, this tax collector, though he may seemingly be living rich, he was in a very isolated place because he was away from his family, alienated from his friends, and not welcome at the local house of worship. He was on the other side of practically everybody's walls in that society, everybody except Jesus. It's right here in the story that we begin to see a profound truth is that Jesus doesn't allow any wall to get between him and a seeking heart. There's nothing that can be done. There's no life a person can live that will keep Jesus from extending them grace, extending them new life, extending an invitation to forgiveness and a new story. Friends, that's good news. That's good news. Maybe today, maybe today you're here and you feel a little bit like Matthew. What I need you to hear today, friends, I'm giving you permission. You can check out here and just pray. If you feel like Matthew, God's heart is for you. You haven't gone so far. You haven't lived such a life that he's not after you and calling you and beckoning you to new life. That's the heart of Jesus. Follow him. Follow him. You know, when when Jesus approached that day, He saw a tax collector, like he wasn't ignorant of what was going on. He was not unaware of the life that Matthew was living. But yet in that moment, he saw beyond that curtain of shame and guilt in the life he was living to see a heart that was seeking. Jesus saw beyond what everybody else see to see his heart and his desperation for new life and forgiveness. He knew Matthew's heart, and Matthew in those moments was so prepared and so ready by God's grace that he in an instant gets up and leaves everything behind to follow Jesus. What do you think that moment looked like? What do you think that looked like? 
I, I got a chosen clip today, and uh, I think it helps us just to understand the dynamics and the many different pieces that were going a part of this story. So let's let's watch. You see the Parthian foot races last night? Darius ran like a gazelle. Jews don't go to foot races. Your old friend Simon himself used to run the wagering tables. We're not friends. Next. Okay, fine. So you did not go to the races. You stay home? I went to see my mother. Ugh, that would put me out, too. She asked when you're going to give her grandchildren? She didn't ask. I thought your parents don't speak to you. I had questions I couldn't ask anyone else. A mother of a son with talent like yours should be proud. She's ashamed that I could use the talent that God gave me against God. Next. You're good at something. You found a way to make a living doing it. It's that simple. Must be nice to live in a world so simply ordered. We live in the same world, Matthew. Next. Besides, what else are you going to do with a mind like yours? Matthew. Matthew, son of Alpheus. Yes. Follow me. Me? <laughs> yes, you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh. What are you doing? You want me to join you? Keep moving, street preacher. Do you have any idea what this guy's done? Do you even know him? Yes. Listen, I said to you. What are you doing? Where do you think you're going? Guys, let me go. Have you lost your mind? You have money. Quintus protects you. No Jew lives as good as you. You're gonna throw it all away. Yes. I don't get it. You didn't get it when I chose you either. But this is different. I'm not a tax collector. Get used to different. I'm glad we passed by your booth today, Matthew. Yes. Shall we? We have a celebration to prepare for. You will regret this, Matthew. What's the tablet for? I grabbed it without thinking. You can put it back. No, no, keep it. You may yet find use for it. Where are we going? A dinner party. I'm not welcome at dinner parties. Well, that's not going to be a problem tonight. You're the host. Get used to different. Get used to different. Let's continue our teaching text today in verse 10 and 11. 
It says, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? They could have basically asked in this moment, why doesn't your teacher stay inside the walls like everyone else? What we see happen here in the story of Matthew is that in response to Jesus' invitation, he hosts a dinner party, a celebration of new life and an invitation to follow Jesus. And Matthew, and this is a good time to just interject, that Matthew, the tax collector that we're unpacking, he's also the writer of the Gospel of Matthew. God had a story for this man, and it began in a tax booth. And so as, as he's unpacking his own story here, he gives us a guest list, if you will, of who all's at this dinner party. And he once again makes a special note that it was many tax collectors like himself, his old co-workers, and other well-known sinners from the town that's making up this party. And right there in the middle of that, we find Jesus. And what we need to understand a little bit is that in this culture and in this time, sharing a meal together was not just a common thing. It wasn't like just going to Wendy's and sitting down beside somebody. It was a a sign of significance, a sign of meaning, of, of relationship, and of acceptance, and of belonging. And so right there in the middle of all that meaning, we find Jesus dining with tax collectors and sinners. His heart is pouring out to be with those who are longing for for new life, those who are repentant and looking for the Lord. And and what we see here is that Jesus has made space for people. He has made space for people right as they are, right where they are to come and be in his presence. And that action on behalf of Jesus slammed the religious folks right into a wall. They didn't get it. You see, they had walls built up. They didn't understand the power and the magnitude of what Jesus was doing. You see, the Pharisees in the story, they were the devoted of the devoted Jews in Jesus' day. They had given their lives to understanding the law and to living that out. You could say if the church doors were open, they were in it. You see, they they lived by all these laws and all this obedience, and they had given their entire lives to this cause, but yet they missed it. They missed it. Let's continue on in verse 12. It says, on hearing this, on hearing the Pharisees' reply, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus reveals here that for all the Pharisees' attention to the details of law and the order of worship, they had missed God's heart and his compassion for the lost. They had missed it. And we see in his response here that Jesus' heart is for the outcast. It's for the people who are outside the walls. That's the heart of Jesus. His heart is for those who are down and out. And maybe they're up and in and out. Jesus' heart is for them. Whether they're desperate and lost in the gutter. Or maybe they're living pretty well in a tax booth. Jesus' heart is for them. And he's calling them. His heart is to extend grace and mercy. It is those who are sick who need a doctor. It's them that he came for. 
against them. Jesus sends uh, these Pharisees away, telling them to go and learn what it means. Like that was really a, kind of a, that was a pretty good jab. These most learned men in Israel, Jesus says, I need you to go and learn a lesson. He says, go and learn what it means that I desire mercy and not sacrifice. This idea of mercy here is unmerited or, or maybe even unearned favor and kindness. So what he's saying here is that God desires that his people show undeserved, unearned grace, kindness, and compassion to others just as we've been shown. That's God's priority, that we would extend that compassion and grace to others. Because we too have been recipients of his grace and his mercy. In God's mind, that extension of grace is the number one priority for his people. You see, church attendance, giving to the offering, joining a life group, serving at Best Week Ever and Vacation Bible School, all of those things are great and they're important. They're a part of the, the body of believers. But we can't cling to those things and forfeit showing grace and mercy to people. It's a both and call to discipleship to following Jesus that we serve, that we are committed, but yet that we continue to show grace and mercy to the outsiders. As the band begins to make their way forward today, as your pastor, I, I'm wondering, what are the walls in your life right now? What are the walls? What is God calling you to address? What is God calling you to go up and over to fulfill his gracious call to reach the outcast, the lost, the broken? What have you maybe allowed to block the Lord's flow of grace and mercy through your life? What are the walls? Maybe, maybe it's the wall of racism or prejudice. Like, like you might struggle to admit it, but you still wrestle with being compassionate and gracious and merciful or even concerned about people who look differently or speak differently than you. Maybe it's a wall of racism. Maybe it's a wall of politics. I just cannot understand how somebody could vote for that person. Whoop, you built a wall. built a wall because somebody voted differently than you. What are the walls? Maybe today, and this one's sneaky, but maybe it's a great big old religious wall. Maybe it's a religious wall. And maybe that shows itself like, like you, you would really require, you would prefer and really, really prefer that people come with their stuff sorted out. Your preference would be that nobody comes through in a mess. Nobody comes through the door still struggling with addiction. Nobody comes through the door in that place. You would rather they get it sorted out out there before they come here. That's a religious wall. That's stuff that we build and put in people's way, not the Lord. That religious wall says, I need you to think like I think, believe like I believe, and act like I act before I can really welcome you into my presence, before I can really say you're a part of the family. It's a religious wall. 
we look at people who are struggling with sexuality or gender or addiction, and we say, no, 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 you got to get that sorted out out there before you can come in here. That's a religious wall that Jesus doesn't build. We do. You know, the, the truth is, is that if, if we would have been there in Matthew's day, in the time of Jesus, we would have probably said, like Peter, we'd have been going, no, 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 Lord, you don't know what he's done. What are you doing? We'd have been right there. Because we build those walls today, 2,000 years later. You say, where'd you get that list of walls from, preacher? Are you talking to me? Well, probably, but those are walls I've had to come across. To be transparent, those are some walls in my story that I've had to go across because the Lord said, follow me. And I need to be more transparent and just say that the Lord is still calling me across walls. You know, I I was studying this week and um, I picked up a William Barclay commentary and uh, Pastor Jim gave me that set. Um, and, you know, I don't often go to it, but something this week, and that something would have been the Lord, but I went to it and started unpacking a little bit what Barclay said about our teaching text today. And Barclay, he, he, he pulls apart, he identifies a couple problems, a couple issues with the hearts of the Pharisees. And in those moments, that's where this whole message flipped on its head for me. That's when the Lord said, hey, check for some walls. This is what Barclay said. The Pharisees or the religious folks, and and time out once again, anybody passing on 340 right here would look at you and say, you're religious folk. So just don't don't separate yourself from the text, okay? We're religious folk to people outside, okay? So this is Barclay, and he's commentating on the religious folk, the Pharisees. He said that they were more concerned with self-preservation than reaching out to help others. Temperature got warmer in here. <laughs> Barclay says their religion was essentially selfish. They wanted to save themselves but gave no care to the salvation of others. They would rather leave a man in the gutter of desperation and sin than to help him out of it. The Pharisees preferred criticism over encouragement and grace. You know, it turns out the Pharisees were running into some of the same walls that we do. Because I hadn't considered those walls. I hadn't considered those walls. You you know, the wall of self-preservation. That I have orchestrated and constructed to help protect my experience, to keep me within my comfort zone, because I like my comfort zone, thank you very much. But we orchestrate and we isolate ourselves behind the wall of self-preservation so that we don't have to change. We don't have to pour ourselves out. It's a wall that we've built. You know, I I didn't think about the wall of selfishness that views my relationship with the Lord and involvement with the church as being about me. I've signed up to serve at VBS and Best Week Ever, but it's really about me. It's about what I can get. And if it doesn't go my way, I'm going to be upset and tell somebody about it. That's the wall of selfishness that God is trying to call us over and beyond. And fulfillment of his heart for the lost. You know, I I hadn't really thought about the wall of criticism. The wall of criticism that helps me to isolate myself from your messiness. Right? Right? 
That if I can just keep pointing the finger at what's wrong in somebody's life, I don't have to get their mess on me. I don't have to get near it. I don't have to wade through the brokenness and the difficulty, the reality of people's stories. If I can just remain critical, I can keep a step back. But in stepping back, we're removing an opportunity of God's grace to reach them. Wall of criticism is something we build. You know what? Maybe, maybe it's the wall of apathy that just says, nah, they, they got themselves into that mess. They can get themselves out. They're on their own. Can I just say that I'm glad God didn't stop at the wall of apathy for me? Friends, walls uh, can be built of many things for many reasons. But the call, I think, today of Jesus for us is to follow him. Is to follow him. Follow him over that wall that we into the life that he is calling us to, to a life of grace and mercy and mission beyond ourselves. Will you follow him? You see, every one of us, every person today has to answer that question, will you follow me? Regardless if we feel like we're Matthew and we're so far gone. And, and Lord, forgive us if the church is even wounded or help play into this. But Lord, that if we feel like a Matthew today, Lord, that we would hear your call and say yes. That we would trust you, Lord. That we would live a new life. Forgiven and redeemed and restored. A life of mission and purpose. God, maybe today we've known you for a long time. Maybe we followed you our whole life, but we've been busy building walls that you don't want. Walls of selfishness or prejudice or religious walls. Lord, whatever it is, God, you're calling us over them. You're calling us to tear them down. Lord, whatever it is, we want to follow you. Because we know that you are good. We know that you are wise and perfect and righteous and holy. And you desire those things for us. And you ask that we follow you. And so, Lord, that means we are going to have to follow you in some uncomfortable spots. Through some hard things. But, Lord, we know that we're not alone. Because you are with us. And Lord, I, I think it's fair to say I can't tear down these walls. I can't climb over them alone. Lord, we need you. Everyone. Lord, will you help us to see the walls today? Help us to see the walls today, Lord. And not just to see them, not just to label them, Lord, but to go over them with you. We love you today, Father, and it's in your name.
let's stand and worship together. Let's, uh, let's go over the walls today, friends. Let's go over the walls. Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at cotnaz.org for any questions about our church. When you're done listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.